We've been tracing the story of the Israelites as they're taken out of captivity in Egypt and taken to, taken to the promised land. We've seen, though, that in their hearts, they rarely really want God. They just want all these other things, often identified through this idolatry that they have. And so God um, has already confronted them because of the golden calf. And now he's, he's punished them. And, and as they, we've turned this corner, um, he's having to reestablish with them the covenant. If you remember, Moses had had the covenant. It came down. It was written on stones. And when they broke it, he smashed those, which was a visible sign of the covenant being broken. So God is giving to him the covenant again. It's being written down on tablets. And God is instilling again these things about you shall not have any other gods. And he tells them certain things that you may not do this and you need to do this in order to refrain from idolatry and stay focused on me. So with idolatry, he says, when you go up into the promised land, you're going to smash all the the idols that are there and destroy them all. You're not going to marry the other countries because you will then whore after their gods. You are um, also not going to do things like boil a young goat in its mother's milk, which makes no sense to us but these were things that god was having to say because these would tie them into some of the the pagan rituals and idolatry that the other nations were doing and god is saying you're, you're not about the same things there you're about me and so come and be separate so at the same times that he is saying don't do these things it'll lead to idolatry he would also say i want you to do these things and he spells out for them many of the ceremonies and holidays that they would have such as passover so that's what's been going on. We're going to have to cross over many of those things as we go forward. But it is a reestablishment of the covenant. It's given again on uh, uh, tablets that are written down. And, um, and we're coming then to chapter 35. Now, up previous to this also, Moses had been told, here's exactly how I want you to build this tabernacle. It's a mobile temple that you'll have. And I will dwell in your midst. I will come and have my glory settle there. But this is how you are to make this tabernacle. Well, um, just like you and I, if we had a building project that we were going to do either at our house or here at the church, we would have to get supplies, right? Well, unfortunately for them, they couldn't go down to Geisey Lee or to Lowe's or even to Medlands. They, they didn't have any place to get their supplies. There's no stores out there in the wilderness. And so they were going to have to take an offering from what they had out there themselves. So that's where we find ourselves. This is Exodus chapter 35, beginning in verse 4. It says, Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand for the light with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for its light and the altar uh, of incense with its poles and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and the screen for the door and the door of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, 
the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair and the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. So they don't have the lows. They don't have the hardware store. What they have is everything they brought out of Egypt. And the Lord says, in order to make this, which I have commanded you and to make it the way we need, all of you know, need to go get the stuff that we need from your own tent and you need to bring it. And so as their hearts were stirred and they were moved within their hearts, they did bring it. They brought gold and silver and bronze. They brought uh, linen and they brought all wood that they had and they brought it together. But it, they didn't just bring things. Did you notice as they were stirred also, they brought their skills the women that were good at making things with, with fine yarn and what they had twisted up to, to have as thread. They brought it together and they collected it all for the purpose of giving things and themselves to build this tabernacle. But like any building project, they need foremen. They need people to lead. And so in the next section we see in verse 30, then Moses said to the people of Israel, see, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of, of her, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled them with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and, and Olahab, oh, oh, Oholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Bezalel and Aholelab and every skill uh, and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill 
everyone whose heart stirred him to come up to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came each from the task that he was doing and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. And all the craftsmen among the workmen made the tabernacle with 10 curtains. They were made of fine twine linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns with cherubim skillfully worked. The length of each curtain was 28 cubits and the breadth of each curtain, four cubits. All the curtains were the same size. And I'm just going to stop there as far. You can read further if you want to, because there are several chapters here of them doing the work exactly as they were told how to do it. So that's the setup for our, our time today is that as this building project goes out, that the people bring in a free will offering and they also bring their skills. There's one uh, guy who's the foreman it says that he put his spirit in him. Uh, that as that he, uh, that is really rare in the Old Testament. You know, today when we come to faith, as somebody is forgiven by Jesus, they have the Holy Spirit, and so numerous people have the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit didn't operate the same way in the Old Old Testament. They came upon a certain uh, the Holy Spirit came upon a certain person at a certain time for a certain task, and so at this moment it's put upon uh, the leader there. So here here comes the Holy Spirit leading this people, and here come the contributions, and they begin to gather them and gather them and gather them so much so that they. There's such a pile of contribution. All the skilled workmen say, we don't need any more. That's enough. It was satisfactory for what was needed to build exactly what God had told them to build. Nothing more, nothing less. And so as they bring it in, their hearts are, are given over to this and, and they're, they're told to give these things over to the Lord. And it's just a mighty move that works within these people. Because if you can imagine, God has told them to build this thing because at this place, it's going to be an opportunity for him and his presence to meet with the people, to lead the people, to continue on in this covenant. But what had they done not too much before this? They had also gathered gold at another time. They had also gone and formed a worship center at another time. And it was right around a golden calf, which Aaron had gone and with, with uh, some type of skill had taken and made a graven image. What was the difference? One, the Lord had commanded this. Two, it was all directed towards him. Three, it was for the opportunity to, to see through him in all these things. And what occurs then is not this opportunity when they took Aaron the gold and they said, make for us a calf and then this is how we are going to worship. We still own this thing. When they brought the free will for the tabernacle, they said, here's our gold, here's our silver, here's our skill, here it all is. And as they give, they release. It's no longer theirs. That is the difficult thing with giving, and it even happens within the church, is that when we come and we give, a lot of times we like to give and we say, but I still have a hold on that thing and I'm going to direct it wherever it goes. That happens as we take up our offering. Here's my offering. Now, here's how I want it to be used. Here's this thing that I'm going to make and skillfully do for the church. And here's the way that I want it to be orchestrated. But there's something more within this that we need to consider as it comes to the church. And so for that, we're going to move to the New Testament because in all this, it's always pointing forward to Jesus and what he's doing in us. So if you would, please turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians 
As we've talked about, the Lord has created this tabernacle later on, uh, told them to, to make this as a representation of heaven. Later on, there is a temple which also represents heaven. But when Jesus comes, he says, there will no longer be a tabernacle or temple because I am going to resurrect. And that was all a picture of heaven. And so he is creating a new temple. But let's look at First uh, Corinthians. This is chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 19. It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? So there is a temple. It's the temple that Jesus built by his own body. That's us. That's those whom he has saved. So we are now his temple. But then read the next line. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. When we come to faith, it's this opportunity for God to take an old creature and say no more. And he makes a new creature and he brings it into the household of God, thereby making a temple of his people. He also says that we're to take up our cross daily. What he means by that is we are to lay down our own lives because what that scripture said is you are no longer your own. You have now contributed yourself to Jesus. And therefore, you no longer get command of what you get to do is now Jesus in command of what you do. We have a great opportunity to give of our tithes and our offerings. We have a great opportunity to bring together our skill. But all in all, it is us putting all of our life on the line saying, God, I'm contributing myself to anything that you want to do. Fill me with your spirit and lead me. Because we are told in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are God's workmanship. He has been working and skillfully making us to represent him in a great way. So then who am I to tell him? How I should run my life. How am I to tell him what I should do with my money? Oh, it's all the Lord's. And we together say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? There's a funny thing that's been being taught in churches. And, and that is that, well, when I give to the Lord, I expect to get something back. Isn't that the promise that? When I give something into the offering plate or if I have put in this effort or I give myself that really it's an investment in a greater return that I'm going to get. Because doesn't he say if I if I sow this, that there's going to be a, a bountiful overflow. And that's this is a, this is really an investment. So there's this really perverted thing that's begun to happen in the in the church, whereby this is almost just a money making scheme. Well, Sure, I give my 10%, but the Lord has promised so much more. And so I expect if I do that, my bank account will be full. And that's why traveling preachers are going throughout the continent of Africa from America saying, give this seed money. And then all the poor people are putting in money to the plates and never seeing any return because that's not actually what God promised. It wasn't about us getting some type of financial return. And so if we would go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And in this, this is a proper way of understanding what, how God sought for us to be contributors, not only with our money, but really with our hearts and our motivations as we are contributing towards uh, what God desires his people to do and represent now being filled with his Holy Spirit. Now, just to give a little bit of background on this uh, at that time, this is the early church. Some churches were going through some really hard times because there was some famine. 
We've learned about this in Bible diggers recently where uh, there was a famine throughout the, uh, the area. And so a church up in Antioch and there was other churches that were taking up offerings and sending that money to go help provide food for other parts of the, the church and other parts of the world. And so Paul is writing to the Corinthians saying, hey, the church is in Macedonia. And at one point he says they're giving out of their poverty. They don't even have anything to give. But man, they have motivated and they, they have saved up money and they're giving it as they can. And so he is encouraging the Corinthians also to give. But I want to take a look at what is the kickback? What do we get? What, what is that harvest that really comes from, from, from sowing that uh, and giving in the contribution to the Lord? So let's look at verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound in you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, this is where it gets to the point. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce what? Thanksgiving to God for the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also flow overflowing in many what? Thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, then what does it say? Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Paul says, please be generous. God loves a cheerful giver, not because you've been under compulsion to do so and not because somebody's twisting your arm to do so or or giving you some type of false hope that if you give money, God's going to roll a bunch more money in your bank account. But when you give, when you invest into what God is having you invest into, it's an opportunity for when the harvest comes to be a harvest of thanksgiving to God and glory given to him and love towards other people. And if that's not enough for us, then we don't have the heart of Christ. Because when God said, I'm going to invest into those people, I'm going to dispense. And when he gave, not under compulsion, not because somebody was twisting his arm, but because he is a cheerful giver, he gave the most and gave his only son. And isn't it through the cross then that we come with a great thanksgiving and say, he's everything. This isn't a money-making scheme. This is a seeing God for all of his glory thing. And so we come and we give our things. It's an opportunity to say, God has told us as the two greatest commandments to love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love my neighbor as myself. When we give, it is saying all glory to God and thanks be unto him. And how can I help you? How can I contribute to you seeing Jesus in a better way? How can I help contribute to your needs? This is not about me. This is all about Jesus. And so we have the opportunity as, as we contribute and certainly we look at taking an offering and, and other ways as the opportunity to contribute. But consider this. Every breath of your life is an opportunity to contribute, isn't it? 
every breath you have an opportunity to breathe that next moment for yourself or for God. And so every moment of your life is the opportunity to take your breath and say, Lord, I am giving you this breath and Lord, I'm giving you my strength and I'm giving you my heart and I'm giving you my mind so that everything will be for you. All thanksgiving is to you and I don't expect nothing in return because I'm your humble servant. But Lord, may you be glorified. May people come to faith in you. And if I have to give away all that I have and all that I am, then let it be so. You know, the only way that you can get there is by the Holy Spirit's power. You know why? We love ourselves too much. We're too selfish. It's just the way it is. We've done this exercise before, but I just want to give you this opportunity. You can do this at home, but I want you to take, and I want you to write down on a piece of paper this week everything in your life. I want you to write down every job and event and person and your bank accounts and all that you own and your dogs and your cats and um, everything. I just want you to take and reflect all of your life and put it right there on the piece of paper. And then I want you to take and draw a big circle around that. And I want you to cut it out. And that becomes your makeshift offering plate. And you go put that before the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm giving it all to you. Lord, By your spirit, would you help me to give it all to you? And I I expect nothing in return, but that through my life being completely contributed to you, that you may be lifted up, that I might see you in a greater way, that other people through me sacrificing my life for you, because we're called to be living sacrifices, that Jesus would be lifted up and that people would come towards him. And that'll change the way you go and do your chores. That'll change the way you listen to your parents. It'll change the way you come and bring your offering at church. It'll change the way you treat visitors coming through the door. And it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. We're going to close with a song, and it really is expressing all that. The song is, Take My Life and Let It Be. And it's all just about, Lord, take my hands, take my mind, take my voice, take all of me. Let it all be set apart. Let it all be consecrated for you. And today, if you struggle with that because you're constantly saying, I still want a little control over that worship item. I still want a little bit of, of, of say in that. Then release that to the Lord. Release that to the Lord today and say, take my life. Let it be. So if you would, please stand. And if at any point you want to pray up front, you're welcome to. If you want to pray where you're at, you're welcome to. But today, the opportunity is to say, Lord, take my life. Let it be.